It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So appreciate you being here all week long and especially today. Dr. Mark Siegel waiting in the wings. I got to ask him about this new report from the Johns Hopkins University that was previewed for uh, us yesterday, I think exclusively. And uh, and it was just talking about the fact that natural immunity, not only does it have durability, its biggest criticism from skeptics, but it actually outlasts the vaccine. So hire everybody back that you fired that is natural immunity in hospitals, cops and firefighters, truck drivers and correction officers and everybody else. Get them their jobs back if you have an ounce of responsibility and self-respect. Dr. Mark Siegel on that and more. Carly Shimkus at the bottom of the hour. We'll race through some of the big stories of the day. So let's get started. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We have seen nothing, and I've said this just recently uh, here at the Pentagon. We've seen nothing that uh, that makes it clear uh, that Mr. Putin is willing to de-escalate the tensions and to move those troops away. Uh, that is John Kirby. Tensions rise on the border of Russia and the Ukraine. What are we doing and not doing to lower the chances of invasion and a European upheaval not seen in 80 years? Number two. We need to understand what are we doing legislatively on the state level that are allowing dangerous people to return to our streets. We need to understand why the guns are continuing, continually flowing to the cities throughout this country. Well, that is Mayor Eric Adams, crime. Even some Democratic leaders are seeing the need for punishment as the men and women in blue find themselves victimized by a society that has taken them for granted for way too long. They have been defamed and defunded way too much. I have hope things will change. Number one. They've lied to the American people. Southern border crisis, they're waving them in. They're putting on planes, sending them to airports closed at night like Westchester, putting them on buses, and then released into cars, into the community. This is unbelievable. That is Rob Astorino, former Westchester County executive, who was able to, through a Freedom of Information request, get 55 minutes worth of audio and you see video from a police officer's body cam watching flights land in the middle of the night with illegals on them as they're ferried throughout the New York metropolitan area. They were hiding it because it's illegal unconstitutional, and it has to stop. We are at the breaking point between the secret flights of illegals into small-town airports or busing the illegals into states around the nation. Fox is reporting as showing that the Biden breach of immigration laws at a level we have not seen before or thought possible. Will this change? Only if we can keep reporting it. So much is going on that you need to hear. First off, it is so beyond politics uh, I don't even want to bring politics into this. Don't tell me how it affects the next election. It minimizes the danger and concern I have for this at our border and what's happening to illegals coming through our border. The ones we catch, I'm upset with, let alone the ones we don't, and the fentanyl that's ferried throughout the country, which is manufactured by the Chinese, given to Mexican cartels, and brought exclusively through our border. Drug traffickers, human traffickers bringing people through. So you think the 2 million number is high? It's probably higher. And then you wonder, where are they going? They're going to your school system. 
They're going into your town to sponsor families. They are clothed, given supplies, sometimes cash, by NGOs. Who are NGOs? Jewish organizations, nonprofits like Catholic Charities and others. Tell me, if, no matter what Lutheran organizations, uh, tell me how you feel if your religious organization is doing this. It's not a matter of a compassion. You are actually a part of an illegal cartel operation. Taxpayer money used to continue something that is against America's interest in any way, shape, or form. So two things. One, it's really bad audio, and I'll play a little of it. If it's just not, it's hard on TV, it's probably even harder on radio. But just picture this scene. The Health and Human Services uh, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas, who's an embarrassment to this country because he knows better, who has allowed our border to stay wide open and has lied to us saying that if you're an unaccompanied male coming across our border, you're being sent back under Title 42, which is the law. That's not true. We've seen differently. It's been happening since the spring. Picture this. Border agents for not allowed to do their job, not supported by HHS or uh, others at ICE because of policy, not allowed to reinforce America's security during a pandemic. And Mayorkas comes down and they turn their backs on him, engage him, and they tape this conversation. If you can't hear it, I'll probably read it anyway, but let's try to hear a cut to. The whole area back here, before you come down, before anybody comes down, a senator, it doesn't matter. They... Oh, Plus as many people out here as they can to oh. whatever other sector. It may appear that everything country story, we know best. I know best. The commitment remains and we'll keep fighting. And let me let me just say, you can turn your back on me, but I'll never turn your back my back on you. You did the day you were appointed. Okay. This is unbelievable. So these two agents try to say, hey, if you think everything's on the up and up. How come every time a VIP, a senator comes down, you quickly go into our holding areas, you scoop people up onto buses, and you move them out until they're gone? If you're not embarrassed by that, why are you doing it? Next, it's clear the agent turned his back on Mayorkas, the secretary, because he's sickened to the core. You don't become a border agent. I met a lot of them. Hopefully you did too. You don't do that to become rich and become a lot of glory. You're forced to live in an area where there's not a lot of people around where maybe your family's complaining there's nothing to do, or you leave your family in a major metropolitan area like Houston or Dallas, and you fly back on weekends or when you're not working, and then when you go to do your job, you do it out of pride. You do it because you want to keep this country secure. You don't do it to be rich or famous, and they're not allowed to do their job, and they're overwhelmed right now. And it's not a matter of poor countries want to come here for opportunity. It's a matter of breaching our system and not reinforcing the law. So what you have is another agent— Say, if everything's so great, why are we hiding all these illegals that we're holding and letting out into the country? And then he gives a generic answer of, we're going to keep fighting. And then he know, it's obvious one of the agents or a few of the agents turned their back on him. And he says, well, you could turn your back on me. I'm not going to do it on you. And then the agent said brilliantly, you did the day you were appointed. So that's what's happening on our southern border. Adam McCallum. Ayuma, there are these uh, smaller airports where these illegal immigrants are put on flights, hired by private contractors out of our money, and, and the money they could be used to resource for Border Patrol to get that wall built and get them more resources and roads in and around there and better surveillance and high-tech equipment and maybe drones. Instead of using that, we're flying illegals here, and we are actually continuing this drug cartel business where they use the drugs to, uh, to build up their illegal activity. And what they do is go up to that, four, that small family 
uh, who is poor, who sacrifices everything so their kids could have a better life, and they give that human trafficker maybe $4,000 or $10,000, and they grab their 8- and 11-year-old, and they go thousands of miles to our border where they have escorted over the Rio Grande River in some cases, and then they're allowed to stay. Can you imagine this? And if it works, guess what? They charge more and ask for more. And if you work for Catholic charities or these Jewish organizations, Lutheran organizations, Protestant groups, and you think you're doing God's work, no. You are allowing these kids to be tortured and possibly abused on this journey they never should have been asked to take because of hope they shouldn't have, because our system shouldn't allow it. But it is because for some reason, and I don't know why, this, this administration thinks it's in their interest to get illegals here during a pandemic while firing people who are not double vaccinated. Rob Astorino was able to acquire 50-plus minutes of illegal flights coming in to Westchester County Airport. If you don't know the New York area, it's a small county outside New York City. They wouldn't go to LaGuardia or JFK. Why? There's too many people, too many witnesses. So in the middle of the night— This contracted, private contractor, lands with a uh, packed plane. And these are not unaccompanied minors. Some are, but these are families. They're here illegally. They're given a stipend. They're paid. And they're handed over to sponsor families or to government housing. Do you believe this? So here's a little of the exchange. Cut four. I get the whole secrecy and all this but this is even about my thing. You know why? Because I get out. So that's a cop saying this. Says, I get the whole secrecy thing and all this bleep, but this is even above my bleep and pay grade. And this is what the cop saying this is. You know why? Because if this gets out, the government is betraying the American people. Everybody knows what they're doing. The contractor sold his soul because this uh, this contracting company, uh, it's in the New York Post today. I'll pull it up. This contracting company. Uh, who usually works for the CIA or HSS, this time they're asked to do something illegal activity. Uh, pick up illegals and put them into a town that doesn't want them in a county that has no idea that they're entering. I'll play a little bit more. And here is more of the exchange between the cop and the pilot and one of the 12 chaperones who are, who are accompanying the flight. Cut three. You trying to figure out what this is? Yeah. Good luck with that. No. You're on a, a secure facility here, and, and we don't really know anything, and we're in charge of security. So that's hence where we're having a problem here. So, yeah, we're hanging out here on the tarmac, yeah. just like that. I, used I don't to know play, anybody. I used, to pick up, uh, I used to pick up basketball teams that had more security. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You know, and very easily, you know, a few people could just go that way. <laughs> so I'm, I'm here to... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's slowly coming together, but we also don't know, uh, you know, really what's what's happening, how they're getting here, whatever else. So the guy in the tarmac is explaining that there's no security. They got a packed plane here. Nobody's even escorting these people off. One could just run off the tarmac, and we don't even know what they do. We don't really know their backgrounds. And now Bill Malusian just reported on Fox News Channel that some of these people on their record are misdemeanors, and they're still getting on planes and coming in our country. If you are the most liberal person and you're driving in your car right now, this is not Republican or Democrat. This is against the best interests of our country and uh, for you and your family. We're bringing criminals into our country illegally. Unbelievable. And you think this is the only fight? Not a chance. It's happening right now. It probably happened last night. 
When we come back, the other big story, uh, COVID-19. Uh, do you know that there are 12 miles worth of trucks that uh, that uh, drove into Ottawa to ring around the capital of Canada? Because now if you're an American truck driver or Canadian, you cannot go into that country unless you're vaccinated. So that means they don't get any commerce because truck drivers, 50 percent of which aren't vaccinated. So they are ringing around Ottawa with their trucks and trailers uh, to intimidate Justin Trudeau. I hope it works. But back to the vaccine talk, we'll do it with Dr. Mark Siegel, Fox News contributor, author of COVID, The Politics of Fear and the Power of Science. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. The Will Kane Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Kane as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Well, cases are going down across this country uh, precipitously. Uh, deaths are not right now. They're around 2,000 a day, but in a country of 3, 350 million, I don't think that is uh, tragic. Uh, we don't want to lose one person, but sadly it happens every day. Dr. Mark Siegel with us now, Fox News contributor and author of uh, COVID, The Politics of Fear, joins us now. Uh, Dr. Siegel, uh, are you convinced that uh, the worst of Omicron is gone? I think so. I think we're heading in that direction. You only missed one point in your great introduction, which is how many people did we lose by the hypervigilance and hyperventilating over COVID? I mean, we've lost a lot of people, haven't we? People with heart attacks that stayed home, people that didn't get the screening care they needed, people with severe depression and suicide, people with, with drug abuse and alcohol, all off the wall. They didn't exercise, all because of the reactions to COVID. And yes, Brian, answer your question, Omicron in the Northeast, right? Right now is heading way down. New York heading way down. New York is an area which is highly vaccinated, which I'm happy about. And also, a lot of people have it. We've had two big waves here already, and we're seeing the numbers drop precipitously in New York, in the Northeast. Our hospital numbers are down, and the deaths are way down here. And we're going to see that across the country. So one thing, uh, there's a big debate now between Florida and uh, the Washington, big surprise, the monoclonal uh, antibody treatments. I know there's different versions of it, but the government pulled them all back. Governor DeSantis says that was one study. We needed that. There are people that could benefit from that. What's the truth, Dr. Siegel? You know, I don't always agree with the governor of Florida, and I admire him. I don't always agree with him. He is 100% right here, and let me tell you why. First of all, he already has the clinic set up, and he's got to close them. Those were very, very helpful for people that got a, a case and were at high risk of hospitalization, and he kept a lot of people out of the hospital. But the bottom line is the scarcity of the monoclonal antibody that works the best against Omicron, citrovimab, is the government's fault. So what is the FDA shutting anything down for? when they're not replacing it with what works better. They don't, even, they don't even have it. And as far as Regeneron is concerned, an article in the New England Journal of Medicine showed yesterday, just yesterday, that if you give a higher dose, it still works to some extent. And I, as a physician, Brian, I wish I was practicing in Florida. I, as a physician, want to make that decision for my patients, whether it's somebody that this would work for. Last point, there's still some Delta around. And guess what works well against Delta? The Regeneron and the Lily. So yes, I still still need those arrows in my quiver. They should, it should not have been withdrawn. That decision is not being made by a clinician. I can tell you that. How come when, unless there is, how come when, it, if someone goes in and tests positive, they're not told you have Delta or you have Omicron? Can they tell the difference? 
They can because the PCR test, not rapid test, you can't tell the difference. With a PCR, you can tell the difference. There's something called an S-gene dropout. I know that's very, very technical, but there's a way I can tell by looking at the PCR whether it's Omicron or not. And that's very distinctive, and we can tell. So, yes, they can tell. Now, most of the isolates right now are Omicron. But not all, and, and a lot of the people still in the hospital are Delta. We're not out of Delta. It's not like one takes over completely and the other disappears. The other becomes minor when the other one's major. And it's a really good point you just made. We should be distinguishing on the level of the PCR test. So I think it's interesting. It shows our channel, uh, what I think is the way you're supposed to run a channel. Uh, you let Alex Berenson was on and said, I, I'm not convinced that these vaccines are effective. We're seeing so many breakthrough cases. And you came on the next day and go, yeah, I think the vaccines do work. So no one got hurt. We had a differing of opinion. One is a doctor. The other one's a researcher, a uh, journalist. What is wrong with that? that is, you're, that's not misinformation. He's bringing a conversation to dialogue. You call in an expert. You give us your opinion, and you cite your studies. Isn't that the way we handle every issue? Why is one labeled and sidelined and silenced? And, you know, by the way, not only is that totally true, but let's add a piece that Brian Kilme, and I'll tell your listeners this, is somebody that's always open to this discussion, period. You call me up and ask my opinion. You may not even agree with me. I mean, you take me very seriously, and you respect me greatly, Brian, and I respect you greatly, but that's the conversation. You know, you're asking me my opinion now. I mean, that, that's what we've always done. And they, they deliberately ignoring the fact that I'm going on there saying, look— the vaccine is not the way it was sold to you. That's the problem, isn't it? It was supposed to prevent spread. It's not doing a great job of preventing spread. Obviously, 60,000 new cases in Israel yesterday, but guess what? Very few deaths in Israel, and we have producers in Israel that I talk to about hospitalizations, and they're way less than here. That shows me the vaccine decreases severity. There are a million breakthrough cases going on. That part is obvious. And Alex has got every right to go on there and say, you know, I don't think it's working at all. Why can't he say that? And then I come on and, and I say, here's how I think it's working. I like that, too. I think that that exchange has characterized us from the beginning. I think so, too. Dr. Siegel, uh, stay on top of it. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Brian. Thanks for having me. All right, go get him. By the way, Dr. Siegel's got a great show on Dr. Radio on Sirius. He's an awesome host. Uh, when we come back, Carly Shimkus joins us. We skate through the news, and I bring you through the reporting from Bill Malusian at the border you have not heard before. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. All right, welcome back. We'll just call Carly Shimkus is here, and um, and she can't hear herself. So through them, is that true? The volume was down. Oh, the volume what was a, down. My high. Okay, even I could have figured Lucky. that out. And I could never have worked at Radio Shack, <laughs> which is a shame. Because you would think, by the way, uh, Carly, great to see you. You're the same Carly from Fox and Friends first, I am. right? Yeah. yeah. And Fox and Friends, but. 
Didn't you think that if anything was built for the future, it would be Radio Shack? I mean, <laughs> didn't you think that that was the franchise that would last where Sam Goody and all the wow, record shops went? all the blasts from the past. Right. Um, well, my sadness of 2022 is that BlackBerry went out of business. Yeah. Because I was using a BlackBerry until the very end. Did you know that about me? No. I think I was the only person in this building that still carried a BlackBerry around every was day. Was it just for the phone, though? And it was, well, it was just, just for email because of the clicky keyboard. Uh, what it was a great thing. It's just satisfying to type an email. And now it's just a void in my life because I w- I BlackBerry was as, went under. I was as fast as anyone on the BlackBerry, but I have still not adjusted to this, to the new phone, the iPhone. Oh, you don't like the iPhone? I have an iPhone 8. What's your iPhone? I need a new iPhone. I need an upgrade. I think I'm up to 11. Yeah. Um, so we've been following this immigration story. Two things. The surveillance video on the border with Mayorkas yes. and having the Border Patrol turn their back on him. It's amazing because think about this. You're living in the middle of nowhere. You're not making a million dollars. Just let me do my job. And you're not – you're embarrassing them. They're making them ashamed to do their job, and they turn their back. And my hope is we get more of this video. At the same time, Rob Astorino's video they got through the Freedom of Information Act gets more traction that shows these illegals coming out of uh, McCallum, coming out of Yuma, and landing in places like Westchester at the same time. Yeah. Because we have it wired. We have people loyal to the show and the network, and we got people on the border that understand that we care about our borders. Yeah, I know. And um, when it comes to that uh, body camera footage that's going viral, the New York Post is all over it. Fox News is all over it because, like you said, Rob Astorino got it from a a FOIA request, and uh, now it's everywhere. It's a body camera video of a police officer who's at Westchester Airport, and he's so confused because the airport's closed. Flight comes in. He has no idea what's going on. And the trend line through a lot of stuff that's been happening since President Biden took office is that there are these leaked videos, and you start to realize that when it comes to border, they're trying to do things in secret, and they don't want people to know. And it's like, okay, listen, if these are your policies, then at least stand by them so why are you doing That's this under point. the cover of darkness just own it own the fact that you want open borders own the fact that you want illegal immigrants across the country um politically i don't i don't even know why they're trying to hide it uh yeah i i also think these contractors who are taking the money uh this one contracting company that is taking the money is called mvm contractors mm-hmm. um and they're the ones doing these flights and they used to work for the cia they do some work with homeland uh, they should know what they're doing is against America's interests. Uh, do they really need money that bad? So this story's moving. Uh, Bill Malusian just moved this story because now that he exposed these single men who were supposed to be turned around constitutionally because Title 42 demands it, here illegally, single man, you go back. Uh, remain in Mexico only has 300 people. There should be 30,000. They're not enforcing it. So Bill Malusian said this when pressing ICE on why you're doing this. We have been witnessing our own mass releases of illegal immigrants here in the RGV this week. This is video we shot yesterday in Brownsville where we saw well over 50 single adult male illegal immigrants just dropped off by ICE uh, near a parking garage in the city and released into the public. You're watching uh, as an NGO leads those men across the street to a bus terminal. Many of those men had ankle monitors on. Several of them were hiding their faces uh, from our cameras. An ICE agent came forward to me uh, who's been involved 
involved in mass releases and told me this has been discreetly going on since last spring. He told me that ICE has been releasing migrants with misdemeanor criminal records, including assault, DUI, drug possession, and illegal reentry. I reached out to ICE about that this morning. They did not deny it. They told me all releases are done on an individual case-by-case basis, and they consider all factors when doing so. And back out here live, I also asked that ICE agent, are U.S. taxpayers footing the bill for migrant travel? He told me they work with NGOs. The NGOs will ask the families of those migrants to please provide an address and buy them a bus ticket or a plane ticket to a city of their choosing. If that doesn't happen, the NGO will buy the ticket themselves, then bill the federal government for reimbursement. That agent went on to tell me that he feels the Biden administration has turned ICE ERO into an unofficial travel coordination agency and morale has never been lower. Do you believe this? I mean, that's all new information to me. Yeah, Bill Malusian does a great job. Great hair as well. Just got to give him a shout out there. Right, and I think that's underutilized. Yeah, (laughs) You could be doing more with it. You know, Brian, I think that, I I actually think it's really sad what's happening in our country right now because we're a country of, what, 330 million people. Not everybody is going to agree politically, but it used to be that everybody agreed on the basic stuff, safety, patriotism, um, border security, when President Biden was a senator, he he voted yes to 600 miles of border wall. And then President Trump gets in, you know, he starts campaigning. He said, you know, we need, we need to build up the wall. And everyone's like, oh, a wall? We've never heard of that before. That's racist. It's <laughs> say, like, are you it's joking slower? me? What do you yeah. mean? It's unbelievable. And then I think that of of all the um, immigration stories that have made the news um, over the past month, the one that is the wildest to me is the fact that if you're an illegal immigrant and you want to buy a plane ticket, (laughs) you could go to TSA, give them your arrest warrant, and then they'll let you on the plane. Imagine you doing that. Get. So I don't, don't have get an, on the plane. sorry, I don't have an ID. Um, but here is a warrant out for yeah. my arrest. Here's it says my, my uh, name on here's it. my open beer ticket uh, that I Are got. You joking and this me? has to be me. But how is that legal? I don't know. Uh, of course, nothing's legal. And the, but like, if you have an arrest warrant and you're talking to a government agent, the natural next action is okay. We're going to arrest you now. Thank right. you for providing the paperwork for me. And then they just get to go to Florida. And what or, they, TSA under Name? Homeland Security on Homeland Security is selling out America. Yeah, and the and the thing that really worries me, and I, I don't want to be no, it it isn't a, a, an overreaction on my part at all. It really is a security issue. Um, two million illegal immigrants um, were in contact with. They tried to cross the border. Um, that's the number that border security has. Obviously, there are a lot of gotaways that we don't know about. But 14 of those were on the terror watch list last year. And so then you do have to think about the gotaways. And then I wonder how President Biden sleeps at night because I wouldn't be able to because it's just you're just rolling the dice that a terrorist didn't pay the cartels to get them across the border right. in a secret way. And then God forbid, Brian, what if something does happen and it ends up being that somebody that came across the border um, illegally and then that's on President Biden? Uh, of course, but it is happening. It's happening on a regular basis. Uh, but, uh, but Carly, it doesn't seem like anyone outside our network cares. But I want to bring you to another area of expertise. We've been following this story uh, significantly, and that is uh, the ongoing tensions between Ukraine and Russia. We do not uh, – Ukraine, Russia, and I would say the U.S. and NATO 
You can. They're not a member of NATO. They asked the Russians had some outrageous demands. We provided the answers on their request. They're not happy, reportedly, of the answers we gave. Vladimir Putin studying it and how's it, how's it, how it plays into the Olympics and the timing for him and the freezing of the ground. But what should we be doing right now is the question. We should be unifying with NATO. Do you know that Germany— uh, Germany, what a disappointment Germany is. The most Sorry, powerful yeah, economy in NATO. I know. And this is a story about why energy independence is so important. Because the reason Germany is um, so friendly with Russia is because they depend on Russia for their— for their energy, their oil and gas. And um, this goes into the Nord Stream 2 pipeline that would completely cut Russia off. Usually when Russia, um, a lot of Russian pipelines go through Ukraine. This one would go directly to Germany. And so it takes the risk of Ukraine possibly cutting the pipeline. So if this pipeline goes through, Germany is going to be forever ever dependent on Russian oil and gas. They significantly cut down on their nuclear. They significantly cut down on their coal. And now they're sending helmets to Ukraine. 5, That's it. And then the Ukraine president said you might as well send pillows. All right. So can I brag a little bit? Please do. The mayor who said that, uh, who, who's the mayor of Kiev, who said you might as well be sending pillows, so disappointed in the Germans, now we know where you stand, will be my guest on Saturday at 8 o'clock. Okay, you knew that already. Thanks for pretending like you didn't know. Uh, I didn't know that he was the one who by said Vitaly Klitschko, who beat Lennox Lewis, his former t- uh, heavyweight champ of the world. He's like 50 and 2. He's a monster. Six, is he seven. the one that's, that used to be married to Hayden Panettiere? No, this is his brother. Is. Okay, okay. But yeah, his yeah. brother was heavyweight champion too. Uh-huh. So and these, these guys got master's degrees, I think, in neuroscience or something. But um, I want you on this on this subject of Germany. Here's what KDK is reporting from MSNBC. Cut 24. Germany's intransigence on this is rankling other uh, European countries and other allies as well. The Brits actually didn't even ask the Germans if they could fly their planes, their transport planes um, that they were sending to Ukraine over German airspace because they didn't want to put Germany in the position of saying no, so they didn't even bother to make the request. And then the Estonians wanted to send arms howitzers to uh, Ukraine to help the Ukrainian effort. The Germans said you can't send those because they actually originated in Germany. You bought them from us, and so you can't send them on to Ukraine. So they're being pretty hard line on this, and it's causing quite a lot of uh, discomfort here in Washington, but also amongst other allies as well, particularly those Central European countries who got out of the Soviet grip and are very nervous, those Baltic states in particular, Poland where Mika is, Romania, all NATO members who are very nervous about what Russia is doing in Ukraine. And the answer is pretty simple. It's it's self-interest. Germany last year imported something like between 50% to 75%, as much as 75% of its natural gas from from Russia, and it's very dependent. Gas prices have soared in Europe this year. They're up 300%. So obviously we have the gas, we have the natural gas, Pick us. and we have Hello. the oil. Yeah, we should do it. But there's not it. the well. But the issue is that we don't have the the infrastructure, right, to easily do that. I the, mean, with the pipelines coming from Russia, it's emergency meeting with the UAE and Saudi yeah. Arabia, they're starting yeah. to do it and put and 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 like seal up different ways to supplement this. But keep in mind, Russia is literally fueled, pun intended, by oil and gas. So if they cut off their best customers, they're actually stopping their own revenue. No, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, and then when you think about, um, you know, <laughs> back here at the homeland, what President Biden did was when he cut off our, the Keystone Pipeline and he made it so hard for um, the oil and gas industry in our country, gas prices started to go up. And his answer was, well, Russia should just pump more. Like, are you joking <laughs> it's, it's, it's me? Nuts. And also the way that they um, 
they cre- they manufacture the oil and gas. It's so dirty. So there's not even like a green energy um, reason behind this, hmm. aside from the fact that President Biden can just tell his base and the green people that like to, to vote Democrat, well, look at what I did, making it harder for our oil and gas industry, even though it, if you care about um, – if you care about global warming, I mean, Russia is a great, much greater um, offender than the United States when it and comes to oil and gas. And they don't care. And they no, could not they care less. They couldn't care less. Neither, right. neither China. But, but we have the, they just laugh at the way we – John Kerry goes over there and says, if you would just help us out in this way. And he said, they, oh, yeah, within 20 years we will do that. Yeah. And we cut and they improve. Uh, meanwhile, when we come back, Carly Shimka has been contracted for two blocks. Wow, well, okay. She is coming back to find out if she needs to know more once and for all. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. My issue with everything Peter Dinklage has said with this whole situation about Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and and the remake coming, it's Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. It's not Snow White and the Seven normal-sized humans like every other movie. This is a fairy tale, and this is also giving seven dwarves, real-life people, actors, a chance to star in a movie in a role that is fit for them, literally fit for them. By saying this, he's doing something worse for the dwarf and the little people community. He's trying to take roles away. It really blows my mind and that is uh, Dylan Post uh, uh, Postal. Uh, he is another member of the dwarf community. Oh. And he is pushing back on Peter Dinklage's claim that Snow White sets back little people's lives because they're There's a bunch. There's a movie coming out. Right? Snow White. Yeah. And let's find out if Carly Shimkus needs to know more about this. More to know. So, so to finish up that story, Snow White comes out. Disney gives a, uh, uh, gives a remake on it. And Peter Dinklage, who was famous, uh, famously in Game of Thrones. Game of he Thrones, the... but but what else is he in? Elf. He was also in right. Elf, right? Yeah. So he's complaining makes dwarfs look bad. Yeah, I know. But, but evidently they're in good housing. It's not a tree or anything. I um well, first of all, I love Peter Dinklage because I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. I didn't hear his comments about why he um. Criticize this do you movie. Want, do you want Eric to get it for you? I would love to. Not to put Eric on the spot. Oh gosh, I, I was a little taken back by the very, very. They're very proud to cast a, a Latino actress as Snow White, but you're still telling the story of Snow still White. Snow White, yeah. Seven Dwarfs. Sure. Take a step back and look at what you're doing there. It makes no sense to me. You're progressive in one way, and then, but you're still making that backward story of seven dwarves living in a cave to get what the f- are you doing man have i done nothing to advance the cause from my soapbox i guess i'm not loud enough but it was they were so proud of that and all love and respect to the to the actress and to the people who thought they were doing the right thing but i'm just like Dude, you don't what are you doing yeah, well, I think if the first actor that we heard from spoke to Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage would say, you know what, I see your point. Right, so you think he would have won the debate. Yes, I do. But also, they... Peter Dinklage lives in Morristown, New Jersey, I believe, which is close to where I grew up. Nice. I'm a big fan of his. And, I, I and, am. I and obviously him. of yourself, because everything goes, no, all goes back there, to you. Oh, no. All right, let's see if something else they call us read. Okay. 
Oh, this is me. Let's talk about Minnie Mouse. She's ditching her iconic red dress for a pantsuit. Um, she will be in a pantsuit in Paris. Stella McCartney, famous designer, design, designed this, I guess, cartoon. Paul McCartney's daughter. Really? Yeah. Oh, my right? gosh. I didn't know that. Stella McCartney is Paul McCartney's daughter. No, I think daughter. she's British. So is Paul oh, McCartney. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is this, are we live? I mean, this is, this is, this is, is she okay? I mean, she was probably a lot sharper on Fox and Friends first. <laughs> yeah. Why hey, would I think that? Hey, would you find out if Paul McCartney's British? Uh, Allison, would you Google that? Let's find out. I don't think that Stella McCartney is Paul McCartney's daughter, though. Is it? it she, oh, gosh. I'm going to escort myself out now. <laughs> Can wow. You tell, well, at least, at least tell, Minnie Mouse is in a pantsuit. That's the story, <laughs> right? It's, Minnie Mouse is in a pantsuit. It's blue, not red. Go ahead. Next, Matthew Stafford's wife, you know, he's the Rams quarterback, was so blown away by the prices of the NFC Championship game tickets. She says she's personally buying a bunch of seats so she can give them away to Rams fans. Quote, if you are a hardcore Ram fan or just a regular Ram fan, a veteran active in the military, a public servant, email her at staffgiveback at gmail.com. How great is that? Because Rams play the 49ers yes. Sunday we on Fox. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Well, that's an interesting take. I thought you'd build. I thought you were talking more about Matthew's wife, but I do believe that the Rams will win. They have more talent, but they do have a habit of blowing it late. Okay, got and it. they blew it late against San Francisco. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. All right, Spotify's takedown of Neil Young um, after he went after Joe Rogan. I think this is my favorite story of the day. Uh, Joe Rogan said to Spotify, it's either me or him. I think he was trying to, you know, say, listen, you got to get rid of Joe Rogan. Spotify was like, sorry, Joe Rogan's our st- star. You're out. Neil Young done. Neil Young done. Swing and a miss. <laughs> That's terrible. Hey, Carly, I really enjoyed this. We'll watch you on the Big Sunday show. By the way, Paul McCartney is British. Thank you. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from crime-ravaged New York City, heard around the country, heard around the world. Ian Bremmer standing by, the president of the Eurasia Group and G Zero Media. Uh, he'll be joining me on this weekend show, uh, the first edition of One Nation. Hope you watch at 8 o'clock on Saturday. Also, Mark Thiessen at the bottom of the hour. You know he's a former uh, speechwriter for George W. Bush, Fox News contributor, and Washington Post columnist. There's a lot of breaking news to handle. And before I get to that, uh, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We have seen nothing, and I've said this just recently uh, here at the Pentagon. We've seen nothing that uh, that makes it clear uh, that Mr. Putin is willing to de-escalate the tensions and to move those troops away. Uh, that is John Kirby uh, trying to explain uh, the inside story from the Pentagon perspective. Tensions rise on the border of Russia and the Ukraine. What are we doing? What are we not doing? And what's Russia's reaction? We'll discuss it. Number two. We need to understand what are we doing legislatively on the state level that are allowing dangerous people to return to our streets. We need to understand why the guns are continuing, continually flowing to the cities throughout this country. That is Mayor Eric Adams, exasperated by crime in his city. Crime, even some Democrat leaders are seeing the need for punishment as the men and women in blue find themselves victimized by a society that has taken them for granted for way too long. They have been defamed, defunded way too much. 
I have hope things will change. Number one. They've lied to the American people. Southern border crisis, they're waving them in. They're putting on planes, sending them to airports closed at night like Westchester, putting them on buses, and then released into cars, into the community. That's just some of the outrageous behavior by our government officials when it comes to our border security. Uh, breaking point now at the border between the secret fights of illegals into small town airports in the middle of the night to busing illegals into states around the nation on our dime. Fox is reporting showing the Biden breach of immigration laws at a level we did not think possible. Will it change? We'll discuss it. Uh, with me right now is Ian Bremer. And Ian, I want to talk primarily about what's happening overseas, but I just want to get your take on what happened here in this country. I think both sides used to agree that securing the border was paramount. How we did it was where the rubber hit the road. Why do you think this administration refuses to talk or do anything about the two million plus who have come across illegally? I think they see it as a loser issue. I mean, frankly, it's also one of the reasons that they gave it to Kamala Harris, the vice president, um, to be in charge of, uh, because at the end of the day um, that uh, she she makes or doesn't make her ability to run going forward. And as you know, there aren't uh, a lot of people inside the Biden administration that are usually happy with right now. But why is it a loser issue? If you secure the border, it's a plus. Well, if you think you can resolve immigration, it's a massive plus. But of course, I mean, the fact that everyone knows what a general agreement would look like and no one's willing to put the political capital um, to make the compromise. I mean, on, for example, issues of dreamers, for example, issues of you know, how you deal with massive amounts of illegal immigration into the United States, but a recognition that you want a large amount of legal immigration. There are too many vested interests that are too far apart from each other to make a comprehensive immigration deal work. The Republicans and the Democrats have consistently failed in getting that done for decades now. Uh, yeah, I just don't see it as equal. For example, if you want to talk about the, the, the visas, if you want to talk about making it easier for consulates to be able to screen people, I'm, you know, that's great debate. But to me, I always thought that securing the border and not allowing illegal drugs to come through and making that a primary challenge was universal. And we have Harry Reid coming out saying, talking about the evils of chain migration, uh, the need for Chuck Schumer when he was, was not majority leader, the need to bulk, uh, to uh, enforce the border. And these are the same people, obviously Harry Reid just passed away, that are yeah. still in power. It's just bizarre. Yeah, I mean, look, it's also true that the need for immigration in the United States is changing over time, and the kinds of uh, the people that you want in the U.S. Uh, for a constructive workforce um, are different. Uh, look, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the idea that the United States of the Statue of Liberty really exists, that, you know, the people around the world see America as a place that they want to go and make a life for themselves as their children. But if the average American feels like there isn't a land of opportunity for themselves and for their kids, they're going to become much more opposed to letting in anybody else and doing things for them. And I think that's become, unfortunately, a very toxic conversation in the U.S. Um, doesn't have to be, but I understand it. Uh, Ukraine-Russia uh, tensions. Right now, Russians uh, said, hey, do me a favor. You know those demands I made? Can you at least answer them in writing? We did. So did NATO. Early indications are, uh, judging by what some people are saying is in them, the Russians are not going to feel satisfied. Do you hear that? Uh, yeah, I think the Russians are not going to feel satisfied. And even if they were a little satisfied, they're not going to say it. This is just the opening salvo that they have. And, you know, we haven't even had the opening of the Beijing Olympics yet, but we know that we have more time for diplomacy to play out. Uh, and so it's very early days. But what, what I would say, unlike the immigration story, Brian, one of the things that is frankly heartening on the Russia-Ukraine issue 
is that both Democrats and Republicans agree on what the Americans need to do. I mean, across the board, everyone agrees we need diplomacy. Everyone agrees that Ukraine shouldn't join NATO, but we should send them significant military capabilities to defend themselves. Everyone agrees that we need to push the Europeans to get as on board with us as humanly possible. So it's a unified um, uh, show uh, uh, vis-a-vis Russia. And finally, everyone agrees that we need to show very dramatic consequences to Putin if he even engages in a small military incursion further into Ukraine. Brian, I haven't seen that kind of general agreement on a foreign policy crisis in decades from from across the spectrum. Nord Stream 2, yesterday Ned Price came out and said there is no Nord Stream 2 pipeline if Russia invades Ukraine. Of course, it's not our pipeline. But what do you think about him saying it the way he did at the timing that he did? And is Germany on board with that? Germany's on board with that. Um, The initial statements from the German chancellor were late and weaker than they should have been. They have gotten on board since he's a new chancellor. Merkel was there for 17 years This guy doesn't have any real foreign policy experience. Further, it's a three-party coalition, and there are differences inside the German government. The Greens are much more hawkish, and they certainly don't like the Nord Stream pipeline, um, but uh, but the Free Democrats do. Um, And so um, I think it's taken the Americans some time um, to read the Germans in on a collective response, but I would say they're at least 80 percent there now. And I think that allowed the State Department to make this statement that it's not about Russia taking out the Ukrainian president and killing thousands of Ukrainians. If there's even a small military intervention, um, the U.S. will put unilateral sanctions on all the companies involved in Nord Stream, and that pipeline will not go forward. The Germans have been engaged consistently in the last two weeks with the Americans on that issue, and I don't think the U.S. makes that statement without uh, – the German chancellor saying, okay. So just keep in mind, Germany does not, didn't let Estonia to go over flights because the howitzers they were giving the Ukrainians yep. were made like there. That yeah, so, that was, that was, that was weak. Um, and the, I mean, the Germans haven't sent any military equipment themselves and they haven't allowed the Estonians to send some German made equipment. In, it sounds like they're standing on principle because they say, well, we're a pacifist nation. We don't like to have our weapons used in war. But the Germans also do sell a fair amount of military equipment to some of to some very repressive regimes. And so I think that that's a load of BS, frankly. I'm, I was very unimpressed with that German statement. So we know that Vitaly Klitschko, the former heavyweight champion, uh, the mayor of Kiev, uh, got word that the Germans were sending 5,000 helmets, and he took it as an insult. Uh, he says it's unclear if the helmets would be donated or paid for, and he went on to say, what's next, pillows? So he was insulted by that, while everybody else, smaller nations, are doing a lot more. So I'm not sure how much they changed. Uh, Macron sees this as an opportunity, because he is now president of the EU, as an opportunity to show some statesmanship. Has he shown it? Does he have Vladimir Putin's respect? I wouldn't go that far. First of all, I mean, the reason why Putin continues to say, I want to talk to the Americans alone is because multi, you know, you don't you don't want um, everybody to be beat, uh, ganging up on you. And also because uh, Putin wants respect internationally, he wants to be treated as a great power. And he understands the United States ultimately calling most of the shots. So I think that that's right. Uh, Macron made an early intemperate statement saying we want to have our own EU security deal with the Russians over the course of coming months, and it's going to be strategic autonomy. Keep in mind, Macron is also 
running in his own presidential election campaign that's going to be hard fought with a centrist candidate that could beat him. Um, so all of that is playing in. Having said that, Macron got beaten up by everybody, not just the Americans, but other European allies in NATO and in the EU after he made those statements. Since then, he's been fully engaged with the Americans in the Normandy conversations, which have been happening with the Russians over the last 24 hours that have been eight hours long. They were pretty successful. And also the French, together with other NATO allies, provided some uh, military equipment that's going to the Baltic states and to the front line, Eastern Europeans, Bulgaria, Romania. So I would say that France is, France is probably the weakest link here, not Germany. Um, but France is more on board today than they were a couple weeks ago. On balance, as you say, most of the NATO allies, I mean, even President Erdogan of Turkey, who has not been a consistent ally of the United States and NATO, made a fairly sharp statement saying that the Russians uh, should not be invading Ukraine, and if they do, Turkey would respond as a full NATO member. That was quite something from the Turkish president. While they have their uh, missile defense system, uh, the S-400, whatever, that their, right. the missile, so they That's have right. it there. Uh, unbelievable. Right. So they're half in and half out. I'm not sure what Turkey's doing. So uh, what do you worry about, besides the actual invasion itself? Uh, what What concession do you think that you most worry about that's realistic with this administration? Uh, look, I, I think that there's there's all sorts of things that the two sides can discuss in terms of, you know, what kind of weapon systems the Ukrainians are given, what kind of military exercises, force disposition um, in Eastern Europe, um, you know, medium range, long range missiles, this kind of thing. Putin always talks about the fact that a hypersonic could take him out in five minutes. How would you feel if that happened to you? That's when they talk about sending troops to Venezuela or Cuba. I think you can have meaningful arms control conversations on those things. But on balance, I, I do think it's we're more likely to see further escalation from the Russians before diplomacy really sticks, in part because I don't think those things are sufficient uh, for the Russians to suddenly say, OK, we're taking a deal. And I also think that Putin has a few more pieces of escalation he can engage in to see if the Americans can hold the Europeans together and also to see if Biden's really willing to you know, counter uh, the Russians or if some of this is bluff. Um, and I, so I think that probably needs to play through over the coming months before we can before I can tell you honestly whether diplomacy can really work. And the other thing I would say is short of all out war. There's a lot of danger. If the Russians engage in full cyber attack against Ukraine, last time they did a big cyber attack, it actually ended up causing billions of dollars of damage to American and European companies. It wasn't intended. It's just that the cyber worms you know, got out and infected other computers. That's a real problem. There are lots of things like that that could end up leading to much greater confrontation, even though the Americans have said very clearly that they're not going to provide military defense for Ukraine. Uh, Ian Bremer, our guest. Ian, let's uh, fast forward. China has come out and thrown its political weight behind Russia. It yeah. feels uh, that the U.S. is overstepping and Russia has legitimate security uh, worries and also says that we're trying to destroy and hurt their Olympic Games. You want to give us the want to read between the lines there? I think the Olympics are fine. Uh, the United States engaged in diplomatic boycott, but NBC is still doing full coverage. All the corporates are sponsoring. All the athletes are playing. I think everyone understood that this was kind of minimum table stakes for Biden not to look weak politically at home. 
um, but also not to blow up the U.S.-China relationship. A bunch of other countries got on board, not everybody, with the diplomatic boycott. I, I think it's kind of a nothing burger at the end of the day. Do you think um, we should be going? I, look, I, it's a, it's a, I think that there is an enormous amount of um, U.S. and Chinese business that gets done and is not going away. In fact, the U.S.-China trade relationship is increasing right now. It's not decreasing. You talk to any CEO, any banker that's going to tell you the world's largest economy in 10 years' time, we're going to do more business there. So, yeah, I think it would have been problematic for U.S. economic interests to have gone farther than a diplomatic boycott. And most of our allies, maybe almost all of our allies, wouldn't have been with us. Generally speaking, I think it's better when we can build coalitions on this kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm probably close to where Biden ended up on handling the Beijing Olympics. On, on Russia, there's no question. Look, the big geopolitical change in the world in the last year was India flipping farther away from China, cutting off 100 Chinese tech companies and apps from being able to be used in India, military confrontation. China's close to Pakistan. India wants in the quad. They want to be aligned with the United States. That's a huge loss for China, for the previously non-aligned India. The other big shift in reaction is the Chinese cozying up much more strategically with the Russians. And that is definitely becoming a principal challenge for the United States and American allies all over the world. Absolutely. And but keep in mind, India, as you know, is tight with Russia still. They still have a, a military right. relationship. So that's right. Absolutely true. Makes it complex. So, uh, Ian, thanks for joining me tomorrow. We're going to talk a little about China and the Olympics. And are we sending the wrong message? Because after all, if you're a Muslim Uyghur, you're living a life of hell. Nothing no short of that, as well as uh, freedom in Hong Kong doesn't exist. And Taiwan has a reason to feel threatened. Uh, Ian, Thank thanks you. so much. Always great. Take it, Brent. You got it. When we come back, talk a little bit about crime, what's happened in New York City, the funeral at St. Patrick's Cathedral for uh, one of the two slain officers from last Friday, as well as the emergency meeting between the Manhattan DA and the governor of New York. We'll discuss that as well as these new revelations happening at our border. It is so much worse than you think. Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We need to understand what are we doing legislatively on the state level that are allowing dangerous people to return to our streets. We need to understand why the guns are continuing, continually flowing to the cities throughout this country. We, have, we need to understand why we are continuing to produce broken children that turn into broken adults and become broken people to commit violence. So that is uh, the new mayor, uh, former policeman, and understands uh, five cops have been shot since he took over, two are killed. Uh, massive, uh, we show, uh, a massive show for the, uh, the funeral of one today at St. Patrick's Cathedral. We had the, uh, the cardinal go and pray at one of the soldiers' beds. He passed away at uh, the age of 27, shot on Friday, died on Tuesday. And then you have a lot of people say nothing's going to get better because this Manhattan DA is not going to be prosecuting almost any crime. So the Democratic governor knows that most American people, uh, over 80 percent, say that crime is their number one issue, only outstripped by inflation, said this about bail reform and making criminals pay 11. 
Will you address what so many people have called on you to do? Will you address the level of dangerousness and give judges more discretion? And I'm looking for the data that shows me that bail reform is the reason that somehow crime is going up in 90 of 100 cities in New York. Uh, we will show you the data. And also, there's one thing that's hard to write down and hard to find in a column or in an actuary with an actuary. And that is how many arrests don't happen because they know these guys and these women are going to be right out in two seconds. So the officer goes, wait a second, I'm wearing a body cam and this thing goes south. What? What is the point? They're all saying that in New York and many other places. If there's no cash bail, what is the point? Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. And look, everything that the agents told Mayorkas, he, he all knows this. I mean, he said that uh, he knows that the policies that the Biden administration has implemented is not particularly popular with Customs and Border Protection. But he said, but we have to work within that framework. It's like, well, they built that framework. It, it doesn't have to be this way. And it's really frustrating. And we're now over a year into this crisis, into this massive influx, and things have only gotten worse. And so that's why it's not surprising that this is now the second time Mayorkas has been secretly recorded and that audio has been leaked because the agents know. They, they saw what happened under the Trump administration. They saw things were working. And they saw they were being backed, even if the policies were not, uh, were not effective. They were trying. They were overwhelmed for a while. People were pouring in. They had to get a hold of it. So President Trump went out and threatened Mexico, threatened the Triangle countries, withheld their aid, and things worked out. I wasn't behind closed doors, but the, the Mayorkas video brings us there. The border agents turned their back on them. They know what's wrong and right. I think ICE has got to stop doing. These ICE agents know what's wrong and right. And these ICE directors, these ICE agents should probably start defying their leader and not letting these other single men and families come in and out on taxpayer dollars and be just sent all across the country. I find it unbelievable, too. Uh, so a lot of the surveillance video you've you've heard, Senator Tom Cotton did, too, on the illegal immigration problem that's been existing now since Joe Biden took office. Can we even withstand another year of this as we wait for another midterm election? Cut seven. It's criminally negligent. You have Democrats across the country who are still trying to shut down schools, who are insisting that kindergartners wear masks, send them home if they don't. Meanwhile, your tax dollars are supporting single grown men crossing this border and being shipped wherever they want to go, as we just saw in that video. Uh, that's a far cry from what the federal courts have ordered the Biden administration to do, which is to reimplement President Trump's remain in Mexico policy. Uh, I was shocked by the Biden administration's response to it. They said that they sometimes help with the orderly processing to return or to get these migrants to their final destination. Well, Laura, when someone crosses our border illegally, their final destination should always be turning them around and sending them back to their home country. No kidding. Do you believe that? I mean, this is doublespeak that we think we're just morons that we're going to say to final destination. Destination is back where you came from. They could solve this problem. No one's talking about the problem. I would love to see other networks care about this because it's a matter of national security. Britt Hume, hard to get him excited, seen it all, and knows negligence when he views it. Cut 10. The situation, though, though, on the southern border, it seems to me, is quite striking. It is, it, is the, it is the problem that the administration is making no serious effort to solve. And it is the news story that nearly all the mainstream media is making a very serious effort not to cover. Which is nuts.
And I have not gotten a good answer. I asked this of Ian Bremmer. I've asked it of almost every expert. What happened to the Democrats where they think it's in their best interest to allow all these uh, illegals to come in here? And they say, well, they're going to be voters. Really? I thought they thought that all the uh, the Hispanic vote was going to be theirs if they're the ones who uh, push for the Dream uh, the Dream Act, the Dreamer Act. And if they allowed for the, uh, the lax border security. Do you know more of the Hispanic vote went to Donald Trump even after he made that ride up the uh, down the escalator, even after he had a tough crackdown and built the wall, many miles of it? So the theory is not correct, and it's hurting the country. About what's happening at our border, Bill Malusian was just on television and was able to break a series of firsts. Uh, so let's hear his report. I'm pretty sure much of what you're hearing, you're hearing for the first time. We have been witnessing our own mass releases of illegal immigrants here in the RGV this week. This is video we shot yesterday in Brownsville where we saw well over 50 single adult male illegal immigrants just dropped off by ICE uh, near a parking garage in the city and released into the public. You're watching uh, as an NGO leads those men across the street to a bus terminal. Many of those men had ankle monitors on. Several of them were hiding their faces uh, from our cameras. An ICE agent came forward to me uh, who's been involved in mass releases and told me this has been discreetly going on since last spring. He told me that ICE has been releasing migrants with misdemeanor criminal records, including assault, DUI, drug possession, and illegal reentry. I reached out to ICE about that this morning. They did not deny it. They told me all releases are done on an individual case-by-case basis, and they consider all factors when doing so. And back out here live, I also asked that ICE agent, are you taxpayers footing the bill for migrant travel. He told me they work with NGOs. The NGOs will ask the families of those migrants to please provide an address and buy them a bus ticket or a plane ticket to a city of their choosing. If that doesn't happen, the NGO will buy the ticket themselves, then bill the federal government for reimbursement. That agent went on to tell me that he feels the Biden administration has turned ICE ERO into an unofficial travel coordination agency and morale has never been lower. No kidding. Uh, You just want to do your job. You're not getting rich. So morale has never been lower. We know that they're being jettisoned into the small airports around the country, into communities unsuspecting and not getting their permission. We also know Vice President Harris, a miserable failure at this, no interest in solving the problem, is now heading to Honduras to be there for the inauguration of their new socialist president, at which time she'll say, I'd rather be in Europe and something insignificant and come back and say, I handled the problem. She is turning over private investment to Honduras, money. I would say, listen, this is the money we've collected for you, people who want to help out your country and invest. You're not getting it until you control your border, crack down on human traffickers. That's the way you do a deal. So when we come back, we'll see if we can find Mark Thiessen. Regardless, I will be squeezing in some of your calls, 1-866-408-7669, and talk about some of the ways in which we can attack the crime in New York City. Don't move. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. If we're not going to prosecute crimes and we're not going to hold criminals accountable, then when does this end? It's only going to get worse. He needs to get his district attorney to do his job and prosecute criminals. And we need to give the judges back their discretion to do their job that they were appointed or elected to do. 
somebody's got to get on the same page. And that's Tom Shevlin. He's the president of the Nassau County uh, PBA. And he's looking what's happening thanks to the governor not cursing, cracking down on these no bad, no cash bail laws, refused to do it. And knowing that the state legislature is not going to allow Eric Adams to be able to give judges the power to decide if a would-be defendant suspect is a danger to the community and shouldn't be let out. And these are things that these experts are wanting. These are all Democrats fighting with Democrats. You know who's in the middle of it? Us. We're susceptible. Whatever they're doing is not working. And just to blame guns, not going to work. Bill Bratton weighed in. Uh, He's talking about firearms. True. But also the whole picture. You know he's successful, one of the most successful police chiefs ever. Boston, New York, Los Angeles. And he's pulling for Eric Adams. Cut 16. 6,000 guns taken off the street last year. However, fewer than 100 trials for those carrying those guns. The vast majority of those 6,000 people carrying those guns are still walking the streets of New York, many of them still carrying guns again. They're going to have to start putting people in jail for the offense of carrying firearms. I don't think it's that tough, is it? I mean, the minute you start locking people up, you empower the cops, and dare I say, give them a significant raise. One of the things that I think Eric Adams was crazy to bring out without even talking to the cops, which is an anti-cop move, said, I want a a demand of residency. Really? You pay these guys coming out, and women, $45,000. And if you want them to be a resident in in the precincts that they serve, some of which are the most expensive real estate in the country, excuse me, are you going to supplement their income? Is it going to be cop housing? If you want to do that, maybe that actually would be an attraction. Hey, I could live on the Upper East Side. I could be a cop. And they pay for half my rent. But in the meantime, you can't have both. You think it's hard attracting cops now? Now you tell them where to live? Forget it. But when you talk about uh, what's happening with crime, you're talking about uh, Friday night, which has really got a lot of people upset. Because Friday night, you had a domestic dispute. He had a call from a mom, and the killer was just waiting. When the door opens, he executed two cops. If it wasn't for the third cop, who knows what else he would have done. And when two cops went down, he finished them. And then he died, thankfully, because I don't want to pay for his health care for the rest of his life. Now, Mayor Adams is calling to address gun violence, and it's coinciding with an effort by Alvin Bragg, to turn the page of his first week on the job, during his first days in office, he released a memo. He instructs prosecutors to seek jail and prison time only for the most serious crimes. Gun possession was not mentioned explicitly, meaning that, according to the memo, prosecutors were only to request jail or prison time for possession of a standalone charge. And you could resist arrest. If there's no prior record, no big deal. How bad are the other crimes? The carjackings through the roof. I could wow you with numbers. But I thought this was significant because you could relate to this. If I told you there was a – have you seen Rite Aid? You'd say, yeah, there's one in my neighborhood. Well, not anymore on the Upper East Side in New York City. And if you don't live in New York, no, it's really nice. There's been so many shoplifting, smash and grabs where people brazenly walked in and just clear out the shelves. And with inventory so hard to get, they have closed their doors. Closed their doors. Because the Upper East Side Rite Aid for months has been the victim of this crime – You can't get a security guard and empower them to stop it. I'm not going to do that for minimum wage working behind the counter. Are you kidding me? So they come in and they leave. Closed now. Tell me if you can relate to that story. Elaine, listening on WABC in Long Island. Hey, Elaine. Hey, Brian. How are you? Good. What's on your mind? I just wanted to uh, make a comment 
you were talking about the uh, flights coming in the middle of the night. I live on Long Island. I know you live on Long Island. Uh, I live right in the flight pattern, and never do they fly in in the middle of the night. I mean, that would be a rarity. Now they literally wake me up at 2, 3 in the morning flying over my house. MacArthur Airport? So, MacArthur. Yeah, nope. Republic. That little airport in Farmingdale. Wow. That I, I uh, used, I, I've, been, I've had some things where people – uh, that's incredible. And you know, you know, but there is private aircraft. I mean, that's what that's used for, but that's the perfect place to go. Uh, I've had people, WRCN, uh, WRCN has a radio station in right by baggage claim at MacArthur Airport. And there are people reporting that in, out come the government officials and then out comes these illegals and they're gone. They're picked up by buses and, and jettisoned out. I think people are getting on to that. Now they're going even smaller is what you're saying, Elaine? They don't want you to know. Hey, Elaine, I'm fortunately you're breaking up, but I got the gist of it. So what Elaine's talking about, fast forward or if you go forward west about 40 miles is another airport. At this airport in the spring uh, of this past year, through a Freedom of Information Act request, we have gotten... The body camera footage and obviously the audio, it is not great, but it's worth listening to, of what is happening when these illegals leave places like McCallum, Texas. They hop on a plane, plane booked by private contractors with taxpayer money, and they are dropped off at smaller airports at odd times in the night, and almost nobody knows where it's going. Now, this is 55 minutes worth of footage, but here's a little of the exchange and I hope you can hear it. If not, I'll, I'll read it back. Cut three. You trying to figure out what this is? Yeah. Good luck with that. No, you're on a, a secure facility here, and, and we don't really know anything, and we're in charge of security. So that's hence where we're having a problem here. So. Yeah, we're hanging out here on the tarmac, just yeah. like that. I, used I don't to know pick, anybody. I used, to pick up, uh, I used to pick up basketball teams that had more security. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, thanks. You know, and very easily, you know, a few people could just go that way. <laughs> so um, I'm here to see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's slowly coming together. But we also don't know, uh, you know, really what's, what's happening, how they're getting here, whatever else. What he wanted to say is with this administration, this is what they want to do. This is their policy. And they do think they're selling out America, but they're doing it anyway. Mark Thiessen joins us, Washington Post, Fox News contributor. Mark, the explosive video that we were able to get at the border and then in these smaller airports from Pennsylvania to Westchester to Long Island, do you think this will change things at all? Will this rattle the cage of Americans, not Republicans or Democrats, Americans? It should. I mean, you know, and the idea that they have people like, you know, they're hiding people behind tarps. Like your government should not be hiding doing things in the dead of night and doing things behind tarps that people can't see. If you're doing that, you're, do, you're doing something wrong. And we, and we just, you know, on the border, they just announced a new policy that any truckers or any people crossing over from the southern border from Mexico have to, have to test negative for COVID, have to be vaccinated, except if you come across illegally, then it's okay. Then, then you don't need to be tested. Uh, just the, the, this is the worst uh, border crisis in American history. I mean, the more, more than 1.7 million encounters 
in the in the la- in the last year, which is the highest ever on record. And you know what else the, the people are not talking about is the fentanyl seizures have doubled. The the record fentanyl seizures. We've had a doubling of overdose deaths last year during the pandemic in this country because this deadly fentanyl is coming across the border because uh, Trump stopped it coming from China uh, because uh, with the sanctions he imposed. And so they've moved all the production to Mexico because it's cheaper and it's easier to get across. And now we're having a doubling of, of, of overdose deaths in this country uh, because of this. This is affecting millions and millions of Americans and mar- millions of American families. So this is just it's a disaster on so many levels. So what's the big picture? Democrats just look at this. People just simplistically, I think, say, well, Democrats want voters. But if you see them, if you see them shedding the Hispanic vote, you know that's, that, that's such a simpleton response. What is the big picture? Why were people on the record saying you got to enforce the border and the and the big debate would be how change to it's OK to come through. Let's not even acknowledge it's a problem. The, the big problem the Democrats seem to think they have right now is that they're not even competing for voters in the middle right now. They have an enthusiasm problem with their base. I think the NBC News poll showed they have a double digit enthusiasm gap with Republicans going into the next elections because Democrats because the left is so dispirited uh, by the by the Biden administration's one by its absolute incompetence and 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 inability to get anything done and the plummeting in popularity and two their failure to get through all the radical agenda. You know, the build back better, you know, failed. They, 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 all they really were able to succeed in doing was getting that COVID relief bill through. And then they've been at a full full standstill. So they're they're not going to do anything that's going to dispirit their base further. They, they And their base is, is unfortunately out of step with the rest of the country when it comes to immigration. So they have no interest in, in cracking down on this because their because their base will will excoriate them if they did anything to secure the border. So they're they're trapped between uh, there between the the demands of their base for open borders and the inability to act. Mark, uh, I agree with you, but a lot of even on the right do not agree with me uh, that I believe that Ukraine matters, Russia invading matters, uh, Russia's the bad actor, Ukraine isn't. Uh, why should people listening right now care about the Ukraine? Because Ukraine is not Las Vegas. What happens in Ukraine doesn't stay in Ukraine. Think about why is Putin massing troops on the border in Ukraine? It's because of the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, because Biden is projecting weakness in the world. It's the same reason why he invaded last time was after after Barack Obama failed to enforce his red line in Syria. What happened in Syria mattered in, in terms of Ukraine. Gotcha. And if we are unable to do this, China's watching. The odds of the, an invasion of Taiwan happening on Biden's watch dramatically increased. And Mark, I have to leave it there. Thanks so much. Keep it here. The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. I mean, I'm just watching this now on Fox News, and you just see all these illegal aliens being marched through San Antonio, Texas, into the interior of our country on camera. Not only do we have it on tape, now we have it live. And they say males, thanks to Title 42, should be immediately turned around. That's the law. But it doesn't seem like this administration cares. Uh, Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest hour of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, We have this hour joined by Geraldo. He does not have a last name. Jonathan Turley does. He'll be with us shortly. Let's get to the big three. 
Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We have seen nothing, and I've said this just recently uh, here at the Pentagon. We've seen nothing that uh, that makes it clear uh, that Mr. Putin is willing to de-escalate the tensions and to move those troops away. Right. Tensions rise on the border of Russia and the Ukraine, despite the talks yesterday and promise of in two weeks from today. What are we doing and not doing to lower the chances of an invasion and a European upheaval not seen in 70 years? Number two. We need to understand what are we doing legislatively on the state level that are allowing dangerous people to return to our streets. We need to understand why the guns are continuing, continually flowing to the cities throughout this country. Uh, That is Mayor Eric Adams. Crime run rampant. Even some Democratic leaders are seeing the need for punishment as the men and women in blue find themselves victimized by a society that has taken them for granted for way too long. They've been defamed and defunded way too much. I have hope things will change. Number one. They've lied to the American people. Southern border crisis. They're waving them in. They're putting on planes, sending them to airports closed at night like Westchester, putting them on buses and then released into cars, into the community. There you go. Uh, Former Westchester County Executive Rob Astorino, the breaking point of the border between the secret fights of illegals, small-town airports where they land, the busing of illegals into states around the nation without telling the governors or mayors. Fox's reporting is showing the Biden breach of immigration laws at a level we didn't think possible. Will it change? I'm not sure, unless there's going to be a change of leadership. With me right now to talk about predominantly the change of the Supreme Court, but I'd like to get you on the record with this. Jonathan, is it okay for the president not to enforce our borders? Well, this has been a long controversy because if you remember, uh, President Obama declared that immigration laws would not be enforced against whole groups, including the Dreamers. And the courts have generally found that that's a matter of discretion. That, that presidents, particularly at the border, can prioritize different things. And so this has been a, a problem that the courts have really grappled with for years. But I think President Biden knows that they tend to defer to the administration as to how it prioritizes immigration. It becomes a political issue as to who you want on in the White House. But, for example, Title 42 says single males, without an excuse, we are turned around. They're not. We're watching it live on television. And then we see these secret fights in Westchester through a Freedom of Information Act, 55 minutes of audio. They, they have these contractors talking to cops saying, what is going on? And they say, well, we're in the air. We're not even sure where we're going, even in, when we're in the air. And then they quickly tell us. So here's a contractor talking about these secret fights to a cop on the tarmac. Let's listen. Cut for by letting them in can i add in they're unvaccinated can i add in we know nothing about their background and bill malusian's reporting it's not been denied by ice some of them have records misdemeanors and they're still coming in they've been dumped into school districts into schools doubling the size of classrooms using taxpayer monies through NGOs, this whole process seems to be a flashing, a flashing five-alarm fire. 
Yeah, and I think it's going to obviously get worse. I think that the president is legitimately uh, criticized for the debacle at the border, and he's lacked both transparency and, quite frankly, honesty uh, with the American people. You know, these flights are a really good example of how hard the administration has worked to avoid the obvious, that it, in fact, is releasing thousands of people into the interior of the United States. And in court, the administration has really fought the Trump policies that would have required the return of these individuals. And as courts have ordered them to follow federal law, they've tended to slow walk it. And uh, they take they take pro- they cite progress in which they are implementing a change. But in the meantime, they are getting thousands of releases out into the country. So let's talk about the news yesterday. Justice Breyer, through reporting on NBC, uh, it's now confirmed that Justice Breyer is going to retire. How unusual is the way we learned about this and the fact that we have not got confirmation from the justice himself? It's really unusual. This is one of the most unfortunate things I've seen come out of uh, the court in a long time. There is a protocol that we wait for the justice to issue a letter announcing an immediate or forthcoming uh, retirement. And then the president comments on it. And that's why the President Biden was correct yesterday when he refused to make a comment and said, I'm going to wait for Justice Breyer. That was the right thing to do. But the wrong thing was whoever leaked this. I mean, this this was really the culmination of a year in which Breyer has been treated in a shameful fashion. He's been hounded by liberal groups to retire. There's billboards that called for his for him to retire. And then at the end, they even leaked his plan to retire. This was his moment. You know, he earned it. You know, you can disagree with his rulings. I often have disagreements with him. But he was a consistent and profound jurist. Uh, you know, he, he came from a very liberal view of the law, but he had deep-seated reasons for that, and he consistently applied them. And his opinions will have a lasting impact because they have a depth to, the, to those decisions that will be cited for generations. This was a shameful way to treat him, and I feel really bad for him. Uh, yeah, it's disrespectful to your business. You know, you, there's a protocol, and they blew it. I'm not sure how the NBC got the link. A lot of people think it's because they're forcing him out, and this is part of it, and it might have come from the White House. Pretty clear, though, and tell me how unusual this is, Jonathan. Instead of saying, well, it's going to be a man or woman, which is what's the, you know, okay, we got an indication. But now they tell us what color she will be ahead of time. So listen to CNN yesterday, Cut 32. It is a history-making moment. It will change the way the court looks. And I think we cannot understate that. For this particular president, where he is today, with a need to give something that is of great importance to his supporters, people who put him into office, especially black women, this is a really important moment. I never had the luxury of leaving any part of my identity at the door before I walked into a courtroom, walked into a uh, boardroom, walked onto these very sets on CNN. I brought with myself the entirety of being a black woman, the lived experience of what that's like in a country like this. And I think it's incumbent upon our country to recognize that if we do not bring all of America and the holistic views of people, including black women, 
then we are doing a disservice to any objective evaluation of laws in this country. But are you using objective valuation if you've narrowed, you've taken a gender out and uh, every other every other ethnicity out? Well, this is actually the subject of my column this morning in the Wall Street Journal, in which I point out that this approach would be deemed unconstitutional or unlawful if it was applied by a school or a private business. This nominee will be sitting on a court that has repeatedly declared that these types of racial and gender criteria um, are unlawful or unconstitutional. And indeed, this nominee will sit for arguments on two new cases involving racial preferences in universities. And yet she will have been initially selected, not just by a preference, but by an actual exclusion of other genders and races. So what's really striking here is not just how unprecedented this is, but how unnecessary it was. You know, Ronald Reagan said he wanted to put a woman on the court. He didn't guarantee it. He said he wanted to use one of his vacancies to put a woman on the court, and he worked very hard for, to do that. Other presidents have made it clear that they wanted to have more diversity among nominees. But Joe Biden went further and said, I'm going to exclude any male or anyone who is not African-American. And that was really quite shocking in the debate. I wrote a column at that time saying, really, that's going to be the criteria on the court that has struck down that criteria for private businesses. I could add to that, as was published in a book, uh, one of the Trump hit books, during the debate, James Clyburn, in watching Joe Biden in South Carolina, the primary hadn't happened yet, said he was going to the restroom. Instead, he went backstage in a break. And he went to Joe Biden and says, you have had many opportunities to guarantee that you will name a, a black woman as a Supreme Court justice. Do it. And he says, you got it. And he does. It's almost like I know there's nothing illegal about it, but there's something unsavory about it. Well, it is. It's also grossly unfair to these nominees. You know, some of the women on these lists would be considered for a vacancy, regardless of their race and gender. And what he's doing is he's creating an asterisk nomination, and that's not fair. These women don't have to have this type of shorter, you know, list of consideration. Uh, And I think that it was done for Joe Biden's benefit. It was a political decision that he needed this for the primary. But he, I think, he really undermined not just the court but the future nominee herself. You know, I remember when those uh, Hollywood stories came out and how these Hollywood stars were basically uh, using athletic scholarships, paying those uh, colleges. Uh, in, other, in other words, got into colleges they didn't deserve and they pretended to be athletes that they weren't and they used some of that scholarship money as rowers and track stars when they weren't and they would get into these prestigious schools. Um, and everybody was arrested and it's obviously going on. Uh, some of those cases still going on. And then some of the black students on these Ivy League campuses says, now you know how we feel. Now every celebrity walking on campus will wonder, did their parents pay for them to be there and pretend they were somebody they're not? And he said, that's how we feel because a lot of people think that there's a quota to these Ivy League or these elite institutions. That's the only reason they're at Yale, they're at Harvard, they're at Dartmouth. And even though some of them or most of them have earned it with their GPAs, that's not how they're viewed because of 
uh, because of affirmative action on college campuses. And they say, now that you celebrities, now you know how we feel. That's how you're going to be viewed on campus from here on in, like it or not. I think it's akin to this. Well, I I really don't understand why people cannot support the idea of having an African-American female on the court while saying, you know what, he went too far. He shouldn't have done that. He should consider all candidates and do what the Supreme Court has done and said it can be a plus. You know, diversity can be a plus. It just can't be determinative. It can't be the the primary or only consideration. This isn't even a racial preference. This is a racial exclusion. And, uh, you know, the court would never tolerate that uh, for an educational institution, for example, and in fact has said in the past that this is raw discrimination. It's also key to, to note that the president's record on racial discrimination is not good. You know, the federal courts have struck down Uh, programs like the farm subsidies with the pandemic relief funds, uh, which were given uh, where where black farmers were given priority over white farmers. They said, well, that would be called raw racial discrimination. And they struck that down. And now the administration is arguing that treatments for COVID should in part be based on race. And, you know, all of this is entirely unnecessary. Do you think this will ever come up in a case that well, such and such justice got their job because of their race and their gender? And maybe will she have to recuse herself? No, I don't think so. I mean, the thing is, I, some people might argue on these school cases that this nominee had a controversy with regard to uh, this admissions rule effectively for the court. I don't think it would be treated as credible. It's left up to the individual justice whether she will recuse herself. And I think the justice will say this is a different situation. You know, president's given great discretion on how or who or why he nominates someone. And we're talking about a school admissions policy that is subject to both uh, the 14th Amendment and federal law. Uh, Jonathan's always in education. Uh, Jonathan Turley, thanks so much. Thanks. All right. Uh, so listen, when we come back, The controversy over Minnie Mouse going from dress to pantsuit. I have a friend that's at Disney and wants to clarify what exactly is going on. So we've discussed it in a previous hour on the Thursday edition of the Brian Kilmeade Show. But I'm going to get to it now because we have breaking news, whether whether it's animated or fiction or nonfiction, we cover it all. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Instead of a lot of them thinking, you know, what happens next? What can happen next? This is a land of opportunity, of freedom, and of liberty. This wasn't just another country. This was the country. What happens next is economic opportunity. Overwhelmingly, for the people who came through Ellis Island, it is about a job. It is about getting work beyond this place and beyond this staircase. And for most of those millions of people, 98% of them that came through here, they were accepted, sent on into America to hopefully find work. I think, I think ultimately that's what they earned, the privilege to work for the rest of their life. And that was the exchange. 
We'll give you a bite at that apple, the big apple here in New York or the American dream. But your job is to do the best that you could. And that is a part of my feature on Ellis Island, What Made America Great, the series I know you love on Fox Nation because most of our viewers are extremely patriotic. This will be my 40th and 41st feature, and I love these both. It's uh, Five Points, which talks about the revitalization of five, revitalization of the five-point section of New York City, really done by Teddy Roosevelt, the first police commissioner. He brought law and order and accountability to some horrible conditions in New York. He also made the city more livable, making a series of parks that are still standing today. Ray Kelly joined me for that. Ellis Island, I was joined by uh, one of the leading experts in the country who gives the tours right now at Ellis Island, along with Michael Wiles. He's an immigration attorney and historian. He's actually the mayor of Inglewood, New Jersey, too. So he'll be joining me maybe tomorrow to talk about both these uh, on, uh, on Fox Nation. Quick thing, there's a big story in a fun, a fun way that Minnie Mouse, no longer wearing a dress, will be wearing a pantsuit. Here's the story. She's wearing a pantsuit for the 30th anniversary in Paris because Stella McCartney was awarded the job. Apparently, Stella McCartney does a lot of her designs with pants, uh, with pantsuits, and that's why she is wearing pants, not a dress. So this isn't an example of political correctness. This is a woman making a choice. Well, that is true. Yeah, and she's only doing it for the 30th anniversary in the Disneyland in Paris. It's not Minnie's going to forever be in pants. In America. Uh, and yeah, in general. Do you know about, isn't there one in China too? Is it China or Japan? If you're in China, I believe it's China because okay. they built it terribly evidently. If you're in China and you're looking at Minnie Mouse, tell me what she's wearing. <laughs> The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We have been witnessing our own mass releases of illegal immigrants here in the RGV this week. This is video we shot yesterday in Brownsville where we saw well over 50 single adult male illegal immigrants just dropped off by ICE uh, near a parking garage in the city and released into the public. You're watching uh, as an NGO leads those men across the street to a bus terminal. Many of those men had ankle monitors on. Several of them were hiding their faces uh, from our cameras. An ICE agent came forward to me uh, who's been involved in mass releases and told me this has been discreetly going on since last spring. He- so that is a little of Bill Malusian's reports that constantly being updated. They were almost all exclusive. And we were watching live on the air what we were witnessing on tape and we were stunned by. And we're watching live on the air in San Antonio as all these single males that should have been turned around with Title 42 on the books and kept on the books by this administration instead. And they told us they were. Instead, you see them streaming right to the bus station, onto buses, and then into the interior of the country, rewarding bad behavior. Geraldo Rivera joins me now, co-host of The Five, Fox News contributor, and done everything once at least. Geraldo, welcome back. (laughs) Thank you. Speaking of bad behavior, here I am. And, uh, so what do you think about You've been watching Bill Malusian's brilliant, uh, brilliant reporting. Um, it is brilliant reporting. Th- does it disturb and, you at all? Oh, yes, definitely. It's very, very unsettling. And uh, what is interesting is that it's just Fox that's doing it. And technologically speaking, we never understood the scope of illegal immigration until the drones were employed by Fox. And you get an idea of the uh, the magnitude of the uh, of the situation with the real flood of people coming over the southern border. And what uh, Bill is reporting, the single males, some with ankle bracelets, basically 
being released into the community, sometimes uh, under the supervision of the uh, the NGOs. I think it's quite quite shocking, and I, it must motivate uh, Kamala Harris, the borders are so-called, uh, the vice president and the president of the United States, to do something. She's in, she's en route to Honduras, even as we speak, uh, to deal with the Honduran administration. Hondur- Honduras is one of the Central American countries, of course, uh, on the route, if not the source of many of the uh, the people coming to our southern border uh, to then be in the dark of night distributed to the rest of the country, Brian. So, uh, Geraldo Rivera, I know you love this style of reporting, is when you are able to get a body camera in and through the Freedom of Information Act, find out over the course of 55 minutes what is actually happening on this small Westchester airport. What is happening? I got a call from Long Island, and you know Republic Airport. Uh, they say that there are calls. I worked there. You did? I worked there in the kitchen with my dad. Yeah, we ran. Uh, my dad ran the cafeteria in the Republic Aviation. Did, I mean, are you kidding? Big job. Is this unbelievable? No, that's true. Okay. Did you? See- <laughs> and many of the people with me were Puerto Ricans, immigrants, of course, but uh, illegal, legal right. citizens. Geraldo, if you uh, wouldn't mind, I know this is a little sudden, and I know you still have to do the five. But if I give you a disguise, will you go back there, see if your job's still available, and observe to see if illegal immigrants are coming there at two in the morning? Would you do that for me? My dad, my dad was forty, just forty-two years old when he got fired from that job because the concessionaire sold it to Stouffer's, the national chain, and they thought my dad, who at the time was getting $10,000 a year, was overpaid as the manager, $200 a week. So he got fired, and we all uh, we all had to leave with him. It was a, a shocking thing. My dad then bought a coffee shop in Kings Park, and then the diner in your neighborhood on Broadway in Massapequa, where I worked at, all during Brooklyn Law School. I was the overnight chef, so that's that's my story. I, I'm sorry to deviate from the headlines of the day. I don't know if you remember seeing me, but I went there after the prom. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I thought that's where I recognized right. you. Meanwhile, you, you were probably at that that's point, you were probably at the counter with John Lennon. Uh, so <laughs> you were further on your career. So I forgot what the issue was, but back to that. That's fascinating. But uh, I got to add to this. So we we got this footage video from the spring. Bill Malusian said those flights have been happening since the spring of last year. So Rob Astorino, who is the Westchester County Executive, wants to be the governor of New York, a Republican, said this. First off, I want you to hear some of it at home. Cut four. I get the whole secrecy and all this shit, but this is even about my thing. You know why? Because it gets out, the government's betraying the American people. You know why, he said to the cop? Because if this gets out, it's the government betraying the people. And uh, I want to listen to the raw tape, too. But he said, who is this? Who are these people? Why are you doing this? He says, I've had more security for a basketball team. These people could go anywhere once they land on the tarmac. And you see them with all brand new clothes. They got their bags. Some of them got cash. They're going to go into sponsor homes or uh, housing subsidized. And some of the kids go into school districts. So I got a text message this, right, right. this morning uh, that said they've added 434 kids to the Patchogue School District. And mo- some of the kids, it's not all Spanish speakers. Some are Portuguese. Some are Chinese. The, you know, the Patchogue area has long been uh, a hotbed because of the agriculture. It, it attracts many, many, many 
many hundreds, maybe thousands of undocumented immigrants. Let me just put on my compassion yes. for one second. Uh, there are towns in New Jersey close in, like Passaic, Patterson, that were dead towns. They were post-industrial towns. The factories pulled out. Residents left. They were ghost towns. In came mostly Mexican migrants at that time. There's more than a million Mexican migrants in the New York City area. You never hear about them. They are the delivery boys, the pizza delivery boys, They're the dishwashers, the jobs that I, I used to do. They, they do all that, that menial. You never hear that every single bike messenger that you see is an undocumented immigrant, whether from uh, Latin America usually, but also from Asia, China especially. You know, it, it, they are not a criminal element other than the fact that they broke the law to come here. Uh, you know, they want the American dream. They are strivers. Uh, you know, the, the, these aren't the pros that are bringing the fentanyl. Uh, that, uh, you know, uh, the people, that, the cartels that run that business, ruthless, organized criminals, uh, you know, maybe occasionally they use the uh, the uh, uh, the uninformed, uh, innocent uh, migrant who's looking for a job. But uh, I think you have to separate. Uh, you know, there, there's never been a terrorist uh, penetration that we know of from the southern border, unlike the northern border where we have had some. Uh, you know, so there's a benevolent side to this this uh, this population. It's just that you can't have a country where you don't have rules. And uh, right. it is too dangerous. And Geraldo, if you have friends that are sitting there trying to get admission, you know, get citizenship from Bulgaria or Brazil, and they're waiting for their paperwork, they're paying the fees, uh, they have that green right. card, they're playing the perfect game, they get a DUI or any type of significant uh, charge, they're out. So they're playing by the get rules, and then they're looking around, and they're outraged. They say, wait a second, I, I, you know, it's such an honor to take, you know, to take an oath of citizenship, how hard I worked. Uh, I'm going to be my first generation here. And then you see people making you seem like a schmuck for doing it the right way. You know, I can't I can't uh, argue with that. I, I can't I can't in any way assuage the the anger or the anxiety of the person trying to do it the right way. Uh, you know, you see what happened. Uh, uh, Phil Keating reporting on our network uh, this morning, a boatload of Haitians capsized, uh, you know, a couple of dozen uh, dead at least, uh, or maybe more, maybe three dozen dead, uh, one survivor uh, in the Gulf Stream there. You know, people are desperate to get to this country. People are, you know, the world, the poor, the impoverished world is on. Uh, oof, sorry, it's my ring.com. Uh, they're on, the world is on the move. You know, all these poor people from Afghanistan coming in, from into, into France, from Morocco and Algeria, and then in the United States, mostly from Latin America. It is how you stop it, how you control it. I believe the world, the wall, the Trump's wall should be completed. I think that if we, if anything concrete uh, can come of all this turmoil and controversy, let it be that the Democrats understand that the people of the United States want a wall. They want a wall on the southern border. Good <laughs> yeah. fences make good neighbors. You know, it's uh, uh, that's the least that we could do. But you're not going to stop people from wanting to come legally or illegally. Mark. Yeah, I would say part of the deal would make it easier to apply here. We need people. We need workers. We need that hunger and passion for people that want to be Americans. And that could be the send off. As soon as you as soon as you secure the border, immediately try to expand the way and look for the first round draft picks. Also, the people at colleges that we train, why are we sending them back if they want to stay? Why? Yeah. Why? It's ridiculous. Yeah, we, we, leave. we give them the Ph.D. in exactly. the neurochemistry and they uh, they get deported to India.
So lastly, Geraldo, Justice, I know you made some news yesterday. Justice Breyer uh, was, NBC broke the story that Justice Breyer will be retiring. He has not said anything formally yet, I guess. The, our reporting said he was surprised. First, I th- thought he was, uh, he was mad. Now it says we'll only say surprised that this happened. Having said that, having everyone come out and say, we know it's going to be a black woman. Are you okay with that? Well, you know, I, I spoke with Alan Dershowitz uh, on my uh, little Cleveland radio show this morning. And it is definitely against the law, uh, you know, to make the uh, uh, to reduce all the candidates uh, to just one race, just one gender. Uh, but but it's good policy. On the other hand, you know, I'm not I'm not ticked off by it. Uh, people that are, I understand, they're also against affirmative action in schools, which is also ironically an issue before the high court right now. Uh, but I I'm, I'm okay. Let it let there be a black woman. I I said only partially in jest that Kamala Harris would be a great Supreme Court judge, a former attorney general in the state of California and so forth. Of course, she wouldn't abandon the vice presidency to take that job, uh, but she'd be good. But the people that they've uh, that they've noted are all distinguished people, uh, you know, the head of uh, the Court of Appeals of D.C., which is frequently the uh, the spawning ground of great Supreme Court judges and so forth. I, so the the answer is I see the irony that it's only restricted to black women, but I'm okay with it. It's yeah, they, we would love that to be the, down. according to sources, they're looking for, but we can't confirm it. Now it's like, no, I'm only looking for black women. Really? Okay. I didn't think we should, should be doing that. But having said that, last question will be the toughest. Are you ready? Uh-huh. Okay. Neil Young has told Spotify, make a decision, me or Joe Rogan, uh, I don't know if he looked at all the facts before he made that proclamation, but they already spent $100 million on Joe Rogan uh, on Spotify, and he's the number one podcaster in the country who shares his podcast with 11 million listeners. And Neil Young was great in 1969. So they have <laughs> sided with Neil. They have told Neil Young, you're off Spotify. Did they make the right decision? I think so. I, I'm for Neil Young. I, 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 my tweet uh, followers are 10 to 1 against me, and uh, thousands uh, for Joe Rogan, uh, just a mere handful for Neil Young. But I, I, I feel that Joe Rogan has given a lot of bad advice to people, and uh, Neil Young is standing on principle. It's costing him a lot of money. Uh, he gets all those royalties. He's got a you know a, a list of hits as long as my arm. Don't ask me to name them, but uh, he I go back with him all the way to Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, and uh, you know he's just a, a great a great performer. He's a man of principle. He's going to lose money. Uh, Spotify is going to uh, you know lose Neil Young and Joe Rogan's going to reign. And I think that your advocacy for him, for Rogan, and for people who believe like Rogan is carrying the day. Uh, you, the polls are swinging your way. Again, I'm not sure. <laughs> you don't care. But, uh, Geraldo, this is the one thing I have to clarify. Joe Rogan's not saying believe anybody. And I, I listen to a lot of his uh, podcasts. I don't have three hours to listen to all, all of them. But he's putting, giving people a platform with credentials to speak. And for the most part, he has the type of interview style where he just got depth on the issue and he lets people talk. So you would thrive there as well, but it doesn't mean he agrees with you. So I just think, I think you could appreciate that. I, I, am, I got no beef with Joe Rogan at all. It's just that I believe, like Neil Young, that you have to take a stand. You have to let people know where you stand. That you should not interview people of all different thoughts and beliefs. 
I think that you should interview anyone you want to, but you can't interview people that are, uh, you know, telling things that are provably untrue and and giving people advice that's uh, right. it's harmful, and that's what Neil Young thinks. Right, because I don't know because I Anthony Fauci hear, has been so accurate. We better ban Anthony Fauci, Mister. Don't wear a mask. Wear a mask. Well, I I think that uh, Fauci is in the hot seat now, particularly uh, the over the, the Wuhan lab as the uh, origin of the virus. Yeah. He's Geraldo Rivera. That plays out. He's a member of the five, and if you talk to Gutfeld, the most valuable member of the five, uh, he will tell you, <laughs> have given sodium pentothal, and um, he's all over the channel, uh, and he's also got a series on Fox Nation. Geraldo, I don't know, you're supposed to be relaxing at this point in your career, <laughs> but now you're dominating. Uh, Geraldo Rivera, thanks so much. Thank you. At least I'm not doing the dishes at Republic Aviation. Anymore. Right. Right now, there's no job <laughs> openings. I'm keeping my eye out for you. All right. It's right by my house. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Go Thanks. get him. Geraldo Rivera, still looking for other work. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. I'm going to think about in the break whether I need to know more or whether I need to take all those calls. But I want you to stay there. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. I didn't get the memo. Whatever the memo was, it hadn't reached me. Um, Then I started to realize there was really a memo. And uh, a guy, um, Matthias Desmet, talked about it. And it's great, you know, the the, the theory of mass hypnosis, formation. And I could see it then. Once I kind of started to look for it, I saw it everywhere. So uh, Eric Clapton saying that this whole mass, he sees mass hypnosis, having everyone march in line with these masks and uh, through this pandemic. So now we have to, where do we put him, Allison? We now have to put him in cancel, in the cancel corner. Oh, yeah, we can't, we can't like him anymore. He's now, crazy. Right, he's crazy. Who else is in that? Joe Rogan, right? Joe Rogan's there. Uh, who else do we cancel? We cancel Bill Maher, right? Got to. Barry Weiss has to be canceled. Yes. Don't you think so? No, no, you have all that this book on Saturday, right? This is a little preview, right. a little tease. Aaron Rodgers, got to yep. cancel him because, of course, he does not believe Anthony Fauci is right. He doesn't want to get vaccinated, so he's got to be a horrible person. Anyone who wants to make their own decision. Right. A- anyone, yeah, who, anyone who wants autonomy. I guess Kyrie Irving, right? Yep, absolutely. We, we got to vilify him because he, he can't go out there. Um, yeah, I mean, it is sooner or later— the cancel side of this culture will be bigger than the uncanceled side of the culture, and then everything will switch. And I can't wait for that day because it's all coming back. Um, so what, what do I? So I got to just remind everyone: it's only Thursday, but Saturday at eight is when we will have the first edition of One Nation. We have our last meeting before our first taping. Tom, you're listening in Texas. What's on your mind, Tom? Good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking the call. A couple thoughts on Ukraine. Uh, one, my wife is a Ukrainian. My son is also a United States Marine. Uh, Ukrainians have not asked us to put troops on the ground. Nope. And nobody and nobody wants to do that. But the Ukrainians also gave up the world's third largest yes. stockpile of nuclear weapons because we and the British and Russia, of all people, guaranteed their sovereignty. Now, that was a stupid agreement to make, but they made it, and we did too. And all they're asking for is weapons. Get them to them. $200 million. I hope it's enough. Uh, People are rallying to their cause. I know they know how to fight. 
I know they've really improved since 2014, and I think they're really unified this time where there is a Russian heritage there, but they all seem to agree, or 85%. They want to be Ukrainian and we try to repel this invasion. So I'll see you tomorrow on Fox and Friends. I want you to keep it here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.